Welcome to the Founders for Good podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Turner. Join me as I speak to the most inspirational founders of four good startups, the people that are leading the way when it comes to solving the world's most pressing issues. I explore their journey as founders and their best kept secrets on how to grow a four good startup and how to hire top people. My hope is that this will inspire you to be part of the solution and do your bit in making the world a better place. Thanks for tuning in to the Founders for Good podcast. Dr. Owain Rees-Hughes is the founder and CEO of Synapsis. After years of working in the NHS, Owain saw an acute problem with how the system worked. There was a large disconnect between primary care and specialist care. This led to many patients being referred when it wasn't needed, adding to the NHS workload and taking weeks for patients to be seen. So Owain left the NHS to build Synapsis. Their technology plugs the gap between GPs and specialists, giving GPs instant access to their specialist colleagues to get the advice and support they need. This has massively reduced wait time for patients, helped patients get faster diagnosis and treatment, and cut down the workload on the NHS. A massive win-win for everyone. Owen, great to have you on the show. How are you? Yes, I'm really good, Craig. Thank you. Great to be here. Good, good. So um, always start off by chatting with the guests just a little bit about their background. And um, I know before setting up your own startup, you um, worked as a surgeon for over a decade. Just wondered what initially attracted you to a career in medicine. Ah, so that, that's that's a great question. So um, like, you know, it, it feels like going back to medical interviews uh, whenever I answer a question like this. But um, yeah, so I was always interested in science. Right. So whenever I remember, even when I was in primary school, I was, I was really super interested in science. And my, my granddad was, um, you know, interested in science and, and writing about it as well. So that kind of was a big influence on me. Um, and then when I was about 14, I injured my leg playing rugby. So I needed some physiotherapy. It wasn't too bad, but I needed some physiotherapy. And I remember um, kind of being in the hospital and seeing, you know, people working in, in, in that environment and, and thinking actually that this would be a, good, a great place to to work. And that kind of got me interested in the idea of doing medicine. And then um, to get in, you have to do quite a lot of uh, work experience. So you, you really, you know, um, so I spent some time in Great Ormond Street and working with a GP and working in a nursing home, for example, and uh, some other things. And that really, you know, gave me an idea of what being a medic would be like. Um, yeah, and it just it just promises uh, kind of a huge amount, right? So being able to fix important problems, um, working with technology, working with people who are highly motivated, so all the things they'd want from a career, you know, I, I could really see that medicine uh, had that to offer. So that that's what really uh, attracted me to, to to medicine as a career. Nice. And then um, we're obviously going to talk about Synapsis uh, shortly, but before then, I just wanted to um, chat to you a bit more about kind of more like the general area that you operate in. And um, as someone who's got quite a unique perspective, because you obviously worked within the NHS for a number of years, and, and now you build kind of technology and provide a product to the NHS. I um, just wanted to chat about like the UK health system first for a little bit. Um, I'm sure like all the listeners have noticed NHS is in the news <laughs> pretty much every day. Um and I just wanted to get your opinion, like a high level of like what your view is on like the current state of the NHS and, and like, I guess some of the like m- main problems, I guess, within the health system at the moment that exist. Yeah. Um, well, so, so obviously the first thing to say is that, uh, you know, the NHS offers a great service, right, for, for everybody uh, in the UK. So, um, you know, 
what it means fundamentally is that you can wake up and be ill one day and receive the same care, doesn't matter who you are. And the care that you receive will depend on whatever medical condition that you have. So, you know, so that, that, that is a great thing. And that's, you know, something that, you know, I've taken for granted all my life and, and my family have, you know, and, and very grateful for that because it's, it's, it's not something that's possible, you know, in every, every developed country and certainly not, not in developing countries. So, um, so that's the first thing uh, to say about the NHS. Um, but there's no doubt that, um, you know, for a long time, but, but particularly now, it's um the nhs is under extreme amount of pressure right um and that is because there's a lot of demand but i think it's also because um you know delivering that service depends on on people and and trained people and you know the medics and nurses and physios and occupational therapists and all the other people who make up the nhs have worked extremely hard over covid you know in in a in an you know unprecedented emergency and it's worn a lot of people out. So that's, you know, from, from the, you know, the people I talk to, um, it's, it's caused a huge amount of, of burnout and pressure. And we're seeing the result of that now, you know, so because the, the work hasn't gone away, although, you know, we talk about COVID less and obviously the, the acute effects of COVID have, have gone, but there's things like the backlog and there's pressures on A&E. So the work has just continued and, you know, people's ability to, 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 um, work at that intensity is is limited um so i think that's that's one of the big problems now for the nhs is is how can they retain staff um and you know how can they continue to deliver high uh quality of care for for the whole population that's not easy yeah no thank you and i appreciate that does that make sense yeah no it does and i appreciate that's a very big question to throw at you um in general let alone to begin with um uh, and yeah, I, th- I think everyone feels the same way that the, the NHS is like a miracle. And, and I have friends that live in like America and have a very different experience in relationship with like a healthcare system. So um, yeah, I think everyone's just coming for a view of like, what can we do to help the NHS and, and the people that work within the NHS? Um, to, to kind of zoom in actually on like the area that your business focuses on, which I, as I understand is like kind of the um, the link between kind of primary and secondary care um, I was just wondering if you could actually explain, like, prior to Synapsis existing, or the, the you know the the areas where they're not using Synapsis yet. What is that? What is that journey like? From you know speaking to a GP and getting referred to a clinician or a specialist, and and like what have been the associated problems from both a patient and like doctor perspective? Yeah, so so that's a great question because that's where where Synapsis started. Really, was you know from my experience of working in secondary care and having. Uh, and seeing patients in 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 the hospital, you know, both ones that are coming through the front door through through A and E, and others who I was seeing in the outpatient department. And what I saw was that the experience for patients was was uh, poor, really. You know, so um, if a patient went to see their GP and the GP thought actually, you know, we they need to see in in my case an ENT specialist. What the GP would have to do at that point was write a letter to the hospital and then the patient would be seen, you know, several weeks later. And by the time I'd see the patients, you could, I could tell often by reading the letter from the GP that, that actually the patient was never going to have an operation or they, they didn't, certainly they weren't going to have an operation at the end 
or listed for an operation at the end of that clinic appointment. Because there was always, you know, often some investigations that needed to be done first to understand the problem fuller, or there was some medication that, that could be tried before thinking about an operation. But if you're a patient and you're, you know, being referred to see an, see an ENT surgeon, then, you know, you're reasonably going to think, you know, now I'm going to, you know, they're going to talk to me about my operation and, you know, that, that's going to be the next step. Um, and similarly, you know, the, 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 the problem is more acute for, for cancer pathways. And, you know, for, we have, you know, clinics which are specific to see patients who are suspected of having cancer. And across the board, not just in ENT, but across the whole of, of uh, cancer services, it's about one in, only one in 10 patients who are referred with a suspected cancer end up having actually having cancer. So a whole lot of patients are um, really um, waiting with a high degree of anxiety, right, for something that, that ends up not being um, the problem that they, that they have. Um, I just saw that the system as it was, the fact that, you know, there was such a gap between community care and specialist care, that gap was causing a huge amount of problems. And it was delaying starting patients on the right treatment. It was causing a lot of anxiety unnecessarily for, for a good number of, of patients. And it was leaving, you know, GPs in the community really isolated and on their own, you know, they're, they're you know, as we know now, you know, extremely busy dealing with a huge amount of complexity. And, you know, they were doing that without any support from their um, specialist colleagues who, you know, were stuck in the building down the road, right, in, in, in the hospital. And, and there was no uh, effective way at that time of communicating between uh, those, those, those two uh, groups of, of professionals. Um, and that's why, why, you know, I started Synapsis was, you know, to make that process of, of getting advice from specialists, coming up with a joint plan much, much easier. Um, and we know now that, that, that that has a huge impact on, on the way, you know, uh, patients are treated and, you know, the, the, the reduction uh, in pressure on that, that that can have on, on NHS services. And, and like when you obviously we were experiencing this challenge firsthand yourself um, and then you started I assume kind of started to explore the the space more and, and like the reasons behind it like what, what did you find like was it just these very like almost archaic thing like hearing you know you're sending a physical letter and taking weeks um, sounds like a fairly broken process but was it also like just it hasn't been a space that really been innovated from like a tech perspective like what, what were like the, the kind of root causes of, of these things happening uh, so so yeah all all of those things. So, so many things caused, uh, you know, resulted in in uh, the situation as it was. But one of the major things was was just the way medicine has evolved over time. So, you know, over decades, you know, from when the NHS started in 1948, medicine has changed, you know, fundamentally. So it's become very specialised. So as specialities have developed, like cardiology and respiratory and gastroenterology and so on, they those specialities have become, you know, and, and, and it's a good thing, obviously, they've become better and better at managing those conditions. Um, and that's a lot of work, right? So that's a, a full-time job to, to, to improve your service uh, for, for 
your area of specialty specialty and that that's how you know medicine has developed across the world um in developed countries certainly uh, over over the past several several decades but the problem was that much of the care of patients or the holistic care of patients was was managed in the community by gps and and there there wasn't a focus or enough focus for long enough on bridging that gap between you know most of the care that's that's delivered by by uh, general practitioners and others in the community and that specialist care for specific conditions that happens in in secondary care and you know the the system was was really divided up into these two two groups of professionals uh, and nobody was really doing um the governments in particular weren't really looking at how they can work effectively together they were like there are two siloed parts of the system and it evolved like that for for for, for a long time um and you know at the time i, I uh, started synapses what one of the things that i saw was that the technology was such now that you know at at relatively low cost we could make it possible for um you know gps and specialists to communicate and share information in a secure and efficient way uh, that wasn't possible previously so it's 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 a combination of things really timing in terms of you know the technology became good enough uh in terms of things fundamental things uh like video technology and voice technology um but also that that you know that there was starting to become an, an understanding within the NHS uh, and all other health systems you know in 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 uh America also um that actually we need to look um end to end about the care, delivery of care it's, it's it's not efficient and it's not good to divide healthcare into you know, just specialist and just community we need to think about the continuity of care for patients yeah when you explain like that it makes com- complete sense <laughs> um and you, you mentioned briefly there like what synapsis does um could you just expand a bit more exactly on like how synapsis works and like, how you're helping solve this problems uh, these problems yeah absolutely so so synapsis is used by you know gps nurses paramedics optometrists in the community and when they see a patient and they think you know um I'm thinking about sending this patient either to the either to the emergency department, or I'm thinking of of sending them to an outpatient department, or I would like just like a bit more advice about what to do next with this patient. With synapses, what they can do is very quickly through their an app on their phone or on the device that they're using, they can either um, click a button and talk to a specialist there and then very quickly, talk through the problem that they have. Uh, and together they come up with a with a with a management plan uh, about you know what should happen to the patient next. And it sounds such a such a simple thing, such a basic thing, um, but that conversation has a massive impact on what happens to the patients. So, for example, uh, for dermatology, we know that you know having that conversation um, reduces the number of patients that need an outpatient appointment by 70%. So, you know, seven patients that would otherwise have had to wait for that outpatient, you know, all their anxiety. Now they get the response there and then, uh, specialist input with their GP, um, and they're, they're able to, to, to have the right, the right treatment. 
for A&E attendances, it's even more. So having that conversation avoids 83% of patients from needing to go into uh, secondary care um, or going to a, uh, uh, the emergency department. So rather than going to the emergency department, they can rather go straight to the appropriate clinic. So there's no waiting in, in the emergency department. They can you know, get a plan and say, yeah, you know, we know what your problem is or we know what departments you need to be in we'll schedule that in for you right now. So it has a dramatic effect on, on, on what happens to patients. And really, you know, uh, Synapses, our company, so we're focused all the time on uh, making that, that very simple thing of enabling clinicians to talk to one another, share information in a secure way, uh, as smooth as possible. So we spend all our time really focusing on how we can make our technology uh, as, as, as good as possible to, to, to enable that process to happen because we know it has a big impact. Yeah, definitely. And I guess come back to the point too about kind of like the yeah, NHS and still being overwhelmed, this huge, back, huge backlog, like a, a product like Synapsis actually helps hugely make a dent into that by just stopping adding to that backlog and more and more people going and being referred that actually don't need to go through to, to secondary care. Um, I don't know much about kind of what it must be like to try and work with the NHS as an external provider. Um, but I, I, in my head, I'm making some assumptions that if you're trying to introduce like a new way of doing something, a new technology, it's going to be quite a slow, arduous process to get that kind of adopted. Um, be good to hear about kind of the early days synapses and like, how did you go about, um, obviously you have, I'm sure being someone who'd worked within the NHS for years, had, had a lot of good relationships, but I imagine it's still how does it work? Like when you when you're suggesting, like, oh, look, I think there's a better way we could do this. Do you get? Do you have to like show it can work in like one small GP and, and then kind of roll it out slowly, or like how does uh, how does that work? Yeah, so so that's a great question. So um, you know, any relationships that I had really didn't help. You know what I mean? So it wasn't uh, that <laughs> you know that they uh, trusted me. You know what I mean? It's you have to prove. So you know, the NHS is is uh, as you can imagine, a really busy organization, you know, made up of many organizations, but really busy. And people haven't got time to invest in something that doesn't deliver value for them. So there's really quite, a, you know, a high barrier, uh, you know, so to get on the pitch, really, you know, to, to be able to demonstrate that what you can do adds value, you know, doesn't, uh, add burden to people. There's a really high bar to 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 that. So we spent a long time really getting our technology right and getting uh, kind of regulatory approval. Really, so there, there's a lot of standards that you have to meet um, in terms of handling data securely, uh, demonstrating that you can um, show who has accessed the system, what actions they've taken. So all this audit. So there's there's an awful lot of things to do before anybody will even consider using your technology. Um, so, you know, so what I realized when I, when I was thinking of starting synapses was that the problem that you're um, fixing or trying, trying to, to fix has to be valuable enough, right? In order to make all that investment worthwhile, you have to be solving a big problem at the end. Uh, so that was one of the, you know, big things that we got right because, you know, I understood that this was a big problem. You know, it, it affected my speciality, but it was affecting every other speciality and every hospital and every GP practice in the country. 
Um, but yeah, but that's 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 basically the the, the what you need to do to to be able to 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 have a conversation with somebody and and say you know we've got this technology it, it meets these standards you know can we can we work with you and and that's what we had to do so we we were uh, several years in before we won uh, our first first contract first opportunity to um, to put it to you know to to gather evidence basically that that what we thought would would have an impact actually does in practice and 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 that's the big thing that's the hardest thing really is, is to is to be able to demonstrate that uh, you have evidence that what what you're proposing actually has has benefits in the real world definitely and you know uh, a few years is a long time to wait before you can even kind of you know, trial it with a with a live customer um do you mind me asking like, how, how was the business funded like was it was it bootstrapped or did you have some kind of grant or external funding which allowed you to have that kind of like two three year runway before you were starting to to kind of go into gps yeah so we we got some seed funding uh at the beginning um and we also um uh won some grants so that that's what really funded us very early on um and then we've been funded by the contracts that we've we've won um so you know we kept it very lean as you can imagine right at the beginning uh for a long time so for example i was working full-time um plus you know, working on on developing the product and doing all the regulatory things. So, so yeah, so we really kept it lean for for several years. Um, and you know, there's different models, right? People have different ways of of of, of starting their company, and no journey is the same. But but that that was ours, and 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 that that's it. It, it seems to have worked out for us. If you're listening and thinking, I'd love to work for a company like this, then you need to go to www.jobsforgood.io, where they have the best jobs in four good companies. From climate change to social impact to green transport, you'll be able to find the perfect job for you. Trust me. Check it out, www.jobsforgood.io. Now back to the podcast. Great. And... and, um... I, I was trying to do the timeline. So I think around kind of one and a half years in was when COVID would have hit. And um, I just wondered, like, was that an accelerator for the business in the sense that it was kind of forcing the NHS to look at more kind of like remote first digital solutions? And, and did that help Synapsis or, or was it actually just a hindrance in a different way for you? Oh, so it was it was incredibly um, beneficial to Synapsis, uh, to be honest with you. So So basically we won our... Um, first contract in 2018 and we went live January 2019. So by the time COVID was starting, um, you know, at the tail end of 2019, beginning of 2020, we had demonstrated and we had evidence to show that what Synapsis was delivering, um, you know, Im- improved care for patients, you know, reduced costs for, for the system and it was the right thing to do. Um, and I could see at that point that, you know, Synapsis was going to be successful because we, we were delivering something that was really of value. Um, but what happened with COVID was that it changed what Synapsis was doing from a good thing to do to an imperative. You know, when COVID really started in the UK in, 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 in you know, the middle of March 2020, Everybody knew very quickly from the experience in, in Italy and elsewhere that keeping patients out of hospital 
was very important. You know, it would save their lives, but also it would help save the lives of the clinicians who were managing patients with COVID, you know, because there was an understanding that the more you're exposed to, to COVID at that point, the more dangerous it was. Um, so, you know, that really changed the pace at which synapses was rolled out because, um, you know, there was a real understanding amongst the clinicians that synapses was an effective way of managing patients who didn't need to come to a hospital in the community. And very quickly, we, um, you know, we, we rolled out uh, synapses to more specialities and, and more areas um, very quickly, really, during that, that first wave of, of COVID. So, so, you know, we, you know, from a, from a business point of view, we were lucky that, that you know, we, we had a product that, that was supported by evidence at that time. And, um, you know, we were in a position to, to um, support uh, systems that, that, that wanted wanted um, to benefit from that nice and and in terms of like where synapsis is today within like the nhs like are you quite widely adopted or is there still a huge opportunity to expand to like other areas like i i don't really know much about the nhs and how like fragmented it is but are you like kind of like now the standard solution between uh, primary and secondary care or is it still one where you're like working on kind of saturating within the uk yeah, so so it's a it's a process. So we've grown a lot since since then. So since um, twenty twenty. So we cover now about forty percent of the NHS uh, in in England. Um, so so yeah, so we're, we're we're growing, but but there's there's you know plenty of room room still 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 to go. Um, and we we're kind of moving deeper and deeper to into different specialities. So you know when when you get into it, you you see that. You know, not every speciality is the same. So there's there's real nuances and, you know, uh, technology innovations that you need to apply to make your product better and better for each speciality. So, we're you know, we've, we've been investing a lot of uh, time and, and, and development into, into that, into making our synapses not only a, a, a solution for, for that can be used across all specialities, but ones that add real value uh for 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 individual specialities as well Brilliant. yeah that, that makes sense and and like in terms of the growth opportunity when you look at kind of like three five ten years down the line will you always be kind of a uk nhs centric focused business or, or do you see uh, like the ability to move in and apply this into like private sector or like other geographies other other healthcare systems around the world yeah so so it's always tempting isn't it to think um you know abroad and you know it's Abroad is a big, big, big space, um, but really we're we're really focused on on the UK. You know, we we think that um, you know there's there's an awful lot of improving to do. Um, you know, in in the NHS, and you know we we think synapses. There's there's a huge opportunity for synapses to um, you know keep doing what we're doing, but to 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 um, really bring very exciting innovations into uh, into that space so that you know clinicians and patients can, can benefit from that so we're really excited about that so we're not as tempting as it is to look somewhere else you know it's 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 we're, we're really focused here um and and we just want to make a good good job in uh in uh, for the nhs 100 percent. and um in terms of uh, kind of you know the roadmap for the next couple of years and what you're most excited about obviously you know continuing to have more value within the uk 
um, kind of specializing into like more kind of verticalization within the product. Is there anything else like big on the agenda over the next couple of years that you're working on? Yeah, so we're working quite a lot on uh, AI at, at the moment. So we're just um, interested in, in the innovations in, in that space um, across sectors. So, so that's something that uh, we're, we're particularly excited about at the minute and what benefits they, they can bring. Because, um, um, you know, that, there's a lot of hype about 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 AI in particular, and you know, for as long as I've been doing synapses, people have been talking about it. Um, but we can see now, uh, for the first time, that there are some uh, applications that 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 really do work. So, um, so that's something we're we're, we're uh, pretty excited about. So yeah, so 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 it's more you know really we're we're just interested about making the product better. That, that's that's basically. 100% our focus is making the product better. Um, uh, so yeah, so that, 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 that's, that's where we're at. No, no, that, makes, that makes total sense. Um, and then I, I guess just wanted to spend some time chatting to you more kind of like an individual level and, and some of the things that you've, you've seen and, and experienced through, through your career. Um, and I guess the first thing is kind of going back to like you explaining like your kind of motivations for going to a career in medicine and obviously like the time and, and effort invested into the training and, and then the, the years of service as a medical professional, how difficult was it then to make the decision to kind of step away from that and leave the NHS to obviously go and build something that was ultimately going to help the NHS, but you stepping away from something, I guess, day to day that you, you trained, <laughs> you know, you put, I'm sure you love doing that must've been a difficult decision. What, what were some of the kind of the factors at play there? Um, well, so I think, you know, the answer I gave you about why I went into medicine, you know, so I went into, as I said, I went into medicine because interested in, in solving important problems, uh, for, for, for patients, uh, interested in, in science, interested in working with technology, interested in with working with motivated people. Um, so all those things I'm doing today, right? So it hasn't changed. So I, I, I really like to think about, you know, what really motivates you. You know, so pe- some people are really motivated by a job title or, you know, a place they work and they, and they really focus on that. Well, I was never like that. I was always, you know, into the fundamentals of what you're doing and what excites you, you know, what do you want to do, um, on a, on a, on a given day? And, and, you know, I'm really fulfilled, um, building synapses and delivering, you know, exciting products and solving, helping, you know, to solve important problems for, for the NHS. And, and, you know, that's why I went into medicine and, and I think I'm still doing that. So I don't think, I don't feel as if I've left medicine at all. Right. Um, but definitely, uh, day to day, you know, it, it is different to going into an operating theater. Um, but it's, 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 it's what excites you, right. Is, is your life is short, you know, I, I, you know, was, 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 um, a surgeon for, 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 for many years. Um, and you know, you only got one shot at it, right. So you don't want any, any regrets. And, um, it's, it's, I, I just really enjoy learning and, and, you know, doing this, you know, you've got to be on top of, of a lot of things and, and it's, it's, it's very interesting and, and I enjoy it. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it, it totally does. And I guess like when you think about the impact you could be having like day to day as a surgeon, it's super important, but it's, I don't know how many would be like uh, patients per day that you'd see versus building technology that has the potential to help hundreds or thousands 
every single day. So you're kind of like scaling that that impact you can have on people. Yeah, um, I don't really think about it like that. You know, that's nice to think about it, I guess. But I I, I just really like solving um, you know problems that I can see. That that's just so the most gratifying thing for me is when you know clinicians that I really respect. So you know, a pediatrician or an acute medic or a you know an ENT specialist or, or, or anyone, you know, who I can see just want to deliver the best possible service for their patient and their community. And, you know, or, or, or a GP or a nurse in the community or, or a paramedic, they just want to, you know, deliver the best possible service that they can. And they say, you know, when they say, you know, synapses is really helping me deliver better care for my patients, you know, um, and that is the most gratifying thing. So, so you know, I, I just love that. And, and, and that really motivates me and motivates the, the whole team. So, you know, as, as, as much as, as synapses have grown and, and as big an impact as we're having now, really is coming back to that, to that, you know, to, to that level. That, that's, that's what really motivates me and, and that's what I enjoy. And, and like, I'm really privileged to speak to people like yourself, like and, and other founders. And I think it all comes back to the same thing. It's, it's still the feeling they get from helping yeah, yeah, each person, hearing like the impact their product has on on the, the users. Um, going back to something you kind of briefly touched on earlier, just the difference between kind of like life as a surgeon versus kind of life as a founder. Really keen to hear, you know, what skills what skills have transferred over that have really helped you operate as a founder versus like what are areas you've really had to work on that have been very different to, to you know, your previous life? Yeah. So they couldn't be more different really. Um, Cause I did both for, for, you know, several years concurrently, right. In many ways. So, and I was able to do that because they're so different. So, um, you know, being a surgeon, really you're dealing with the work in front of you that day. So there'll be patients to see in, in the clinic or there'll be patients to operate on. And you can't operate on two patients at the same time, right? So your focus has to be 100% on the job you're doing at that moment uh, for that patient, whatever it is, putting that stitch in, making that incision. You know, you're, you have to be 100% focused on that. And, you know, that is really calming, you know, in, 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 in I, I don't know if I, if, if, if you can understand what I'm saying, but it's very calming to have that level of focus. Starting a company is completely different to that. You know, you have to make good decisions for the long term, right? So you have to put things in place all the time. So you can't be, that's what, what, what makes the difference. You have to think, okay, what decision do I do today? is going to be the right one for, you know, two or three years from now. And, and, you know, beyond that, as, as the team grows, your, your role is, is to enable other people, you know, to bring the best out of other people. And you have to do that as a, as a surgeon as well. You know, that, that, that there is that part of it. You work as a team, but, you know, as a, as a, you know, CEO of a company or your job really is to, is to, is to, motivate people to come and work with you, you know, um, get them to stay and get them to be their best selves and do their best work, uh, with you. And, 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 and that, that, that's, 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 that's a big part of it. One, one bit that, um, 
that feels the same as when you know being a surgeon is when when you have to deal with many intense things at the same time so sometimes you know running a company that there, there are uh you know a few a number of things you have to handle very quickly at once so you know there's some issue or many issues and the feeling of handling those issues at the same time is similar to what it's like um, being on call, for example, in the hospital. So when you're on call, you know, um, in a hospital, that's exactly what, what, what those are the skills that you're applying, that you're having many things, all of them sound very urgent, but you have to prioritize what you're going to give your attention to while not forgetting about the other things. So you have to hold all these things in your, in your mind. And there are days like that, you know, running a company where, you know, there, there are a number of urgent things and you have to really decide and focus the team on the most important one. Um, so, yeah, so that, that feels uh, very reminiscent, actually, uh, sometimes of, of, of um, days when it's been particularly busy on call. You know, it's very similar to when, when it's particularly busy in the company. Yeah, no. As a you know, someone who runs two two very small businesses, even I, you know, the chaos some days and and just the amount of noise and you try to just figure out actually what was like the number one priority and kind of list it out and work through those logically. It's <laughs> and you kind of just gets in there like wow, I survived just about. <laughs> um, so I, I can I can totally um, resonate with that. Um, and um, you know, another thing that I'm quite keen to, to understand for founders as well as like it's such a hard job like you know any job is difficult but the founder job is is a really tough one and um challenging and there are really tough moments um and i just wanted like how do you look after yourself like in terms of your physical mental health and like well-being like what, what works for you away and what, what do you do that helps you kind of stay on track as much as you can yeah so, so that's a good a really good question you know, and it applies to founders as, as much as anyone else and, and that's something i've really become better at um you know over, over over time so so i work out it you know um a lot i guess or or regularly um so I, I really enjoy that and that really makes a difference to me so going to the to the gym uh walking so i like you know just walking during the day you know I, i'll 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 go go outside and 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 walk um and i like hiking as well so so that really helps and you know being outside and having those memories of being outside really helps um you know with 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 you know the days when when things things are hard so so i think exercise is is the main thing uh, and i listen to a lot of music so i'm always always listening to music so um those the you know probably is what everybody says isn't it those two things but the, you know i cannot advocate uh, any any more for them so they they absolutely really work for me um and the other thing is to have good people around you right so you know making you know very lucky having having a, a you know a, a a good good home life and and things like that re- really helps um so yeah definitely no they're all good things and i think it's different for everyone the, the kind of physical exercise getting outdoors is one they hear quite a bit that the music one is a is a new one actually so <laughs> um but yeah i think the key thing is just find something that works for you make enough time to look after yourself um coming to kind of just talking briefly about building a tech for good startup and you, you kind of explained like what you see as the role of the ceo which i completely agree with 
Um, I think you know, there's a lot of founders out there, first-time founders building a tech for good business that want to be very deliberate and, and very careful with how they build and grow that business. I just want like if if you had to really like um, uh, like zoom into like one or two things that you feel have been like essential from your point of view in building um, you know an impact business in the way that you wanted it to be done. What have you really focused on, and what's made the difference from your perspective? Yeah, so 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 no two companies are are, are going to be the same. Right, so no, nobody uh, is going to have the same uh, journey as, as as somebody else. That that that's the first thing. Um, I think major lesson for me is that um, you know a few good people um, c- can make a huge difference. So, and when you find somebody who who's good, you have to invest invest in them uh, and and keep them uh, working with you and and be, being happy working with you. Um, because you know, there's, yeah, it's, 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 you're very lucky if you have somebody who, you know, you can, you can work well with and, you know, you, you trust, then, you know, you, you're, you're very lucky to, to, to have that. So, so make sure that, that you, you, you don't lose that because it's, it's, yeah, it's something that's going to be very important. Completely agree. And, you know, on, on the topic of like people and, and hiring, um, any kind of advice on that front? Like, have there been any kind of key learns in your your perspective? So, I assume you've had to hire for skill sets you you don't know much about, and you've never had to hire for those types of people before. Um, yeah, have there been any like yeah big challenges along the way, or, or any big learns from a, from a hiring perspective that you can share? Yeah, so lots of lots of experience, right? Of of hiring now, um, uh, it's 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 hard, right? So it's 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 hard. Um, so. Um, I think I think it's is to give everybody an opportunity to 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 do their their, their best work, right? But to um, what do they say? Trust and verify, right? So you you may hire somebody and and then not exactly the same as what you'd hoped, or that the opportunity that you're giving them doesn't really fit as well as 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 either of you would have hoped. Um, so so that's that's what what I would say is is just to keep keep an open mind and you know if something's not working out then then it's better to to call it really that's that's really fair um and then final question for me um because obviously so many different companies and founders have views on on diff- very different views on this between kind of ways of working of you know, remote hybrid office based w- which approach do you prefer and advocate and, and, and why uh so so we work completely remote right so 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 um and one of the reasons for that is we grew during COVID, right? So we, we were so we hired people from all over the, the country. So where would we put our office now? Um, although we do have uh, an office in 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 London, you know, we we allow everybody to to work remotely. Um, and to be honest with you, I hate it. There's no environment I hated more than being in an office. So, you know, because as, as a medic, I never worked in an office, right? So I, I, you know, you're always on the ward and the dynamic of working in, in a hospital is very different. So you're always on your feet, always in a different space. You know, it's, it's very, you move around all the time. So I did, you know, we did work prior to COVID in, in, in our office and it didn't really suit me, to be honest with you, um, because so 
one of the things I, I like is to trust people and to allow people to the, the space to do work in the way they want to work. And in an office, sort of, you're forced to observe them. And I don't think people work to their best ability when they're being observed, right? So, so what we had to do was build processes that would um, validate um, and measure people on productivity and the quality of their work rather than the way that they choose to work. And, you know, for me, that's, that's the way, uh, you know, I, I, I like the, the business to run. Um, and, and, you know, it, it seems to be working, working well for us. I'm sure, you know, well, it, it, it's not without its challenges. So, so I thought, you know, for, for a long period that it was all ups, upside, right. But the, the, there are uh, challenges to it as well. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I, I like to work with people who are, are, you know, creative and productive and, um, you know, feel ownership for what they do. Um, and, you know, to demonstrate that or to, or to, to facilitate that, you, you have to, you know, trust them, right? You have to trust them to, to deliver and forcing them to come to a building where I can observe them is, isn't really, um, necessary i don't think so, so um I'm, I'm i'm happy to 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 give people uh, the freedom to work in in, in the way that, that that they think that that they can best deliver work for synapses yeah no i think i think that's a very like fair appraisal and, and it's kind of shares my views on on ways of working but it's you know it's, it's whatever is right for for your company and and just ha- setting up processes and culture and communication channels at work for whatever setup you you opt for um Cool. Well, look, I mean, um, for anyone that wants to like continue following the Synapsis journey, um, where where are you kind of most active on social media? Uh, so I'm not very active on social media, but I I read Twitter. So you know, if somebody wants to message me, they're more likely to get me there than than anywhere else. But the company we are active on kind of LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, uh, I think those those two mainly. We have a newsletter, so uh, you can email us at hello at synapsis dot com. So um, you know you can get on on our newsletter as well. Awesome. Well, look, it's, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks for coming on, and um, yeah, wish you and the team all the best. Thank you very much, Craig. Nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a review. We're just getting started out, so it would mean a lot to us. This episode was brought to you by Craig Turner, produced by Jabril Al-Sahimi and sponsored by Jobs for Good. Until next time.